census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Thursday podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Rahal, but you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd. We are here live in the uh, uh, Pat Cave of Magenta Manor. I almost called it the Pod Cave. Pat, well, I mean, that's not way that's not wrong. That's far off. It's not no. way wrong. Uh, the Pat Cave of Magenta Manor brought to you by the Dorkening Network and Deadly Grounds Coffee. And remember, you can check out all the awesome shows on the Dorkening Podcast Network at, you ready for this? The Dorkening Podcast Network dot com. Very handy, uh, easy to remember, super easy, barely an inconvenience. But I am not here by myself, as you can already tell. I'm here by joined by my co host on the show, my co host in life. She is <gasps> the Baroness of Bordeaux, the Countess of Cabernet, the Mistress of Merlot, the Queen Regent of Rose, the real housewife of Transylvania, the Michael Phelps of Wine, the Queen of the Monsters, and an honorary Lizzie. Ladies and gentlemen, Ashes von Nightmare. She is drinking sangria right now, and uh, life is good. I am also drinking sangria. So what we do sometimes is she will fill up a glass, and uh, I will take the glass. Our glasses take half a bottle, although we do have those. Those very fantastic ones that take an entire fill up the entire bottle. Yes. And I remember when I bought those for you, I was like, I was like, oh. I really like that one, but that one comes in yellow. I'll get two of the pink ones, not realizing that it was yellow because that's the color of the beverage that was put in it because mm-hmm. it was clear glass. And uh, I will say a, uh, a a wine glass actually fought back with me last weekend. Uh, I was trying to be nice because uh, Ashes wasn't feeling well, and I decided, you know what? I am going to wash some dishes. And as I was washing one of the wine glasses, it broke and sliced my fucking hand open. Um, you ended up running the CVS. It was you said it was you know something that you were. Uh, you're like, well, I'm gonna run. I'm gonna get butterfly stitches. I'm gonna get all this stuff. Like you ran to CVS because I was bleeding all over the place. I don't have insurance, and I had this huge, huge gash, uh, deep gash on the back of my hand. So, uh, she came back. I was like, man, what is, like, for somebody that's in a hurry, like, she's taking a, a, a good long time. Um, she came back with coffee and bagels uh, <laughs> in addition to a laceration kit. She was like, well, I was already out. I figured I would stop for well, coffee. Yeah, I have to drive by Dunkin' Donuts to get to CVS. And you yourself said that morning that you were going to do some dishes and then you were going to go out and get coffee. That was the plan. Bagels. That was the plan. So I was plan. like, hey, you know what? I'm out. But at the time. I'm about. I'm passing Dunkin' Donuts. At the time there that was I was going to no go. Line. At the time that I was going to go, no one had any uh, minor injuries. Uh but yeah, we weren't sure what was going to happen. It, it uh, just made it made sense. It in was, my uh, in my frantic 
nice. I, it just, it just meant I needed the coffee so I could have the caffeine to wake myself up so I could properly apply the little laceration kit to your, your, your little, My little hand. There. Yeah. So, I mean, it ended up, it ended up being all right. Um, it was fine. You're fine. It's been, I, I figured in about a week I would be, I would be doing much better. And I'm, uh, I'm at the point where I, cause I've shown a few people and if you're listening to this, you might've been one of the people that I sent pictures to and people were like, holy shit, how many stitches? And it's like none. I don't have insurance. None, because healthcare. So we got the yeah. the laceration kit, and then uh, we grabbed some butterfly stitches and some gauze and stuff like that. So I had been wrapping that it up. Isn't a song like butterfly stitches? I don't. Maybe I don't know. I don't know every song. Because you have no insurance. Probably, it's the ballad of Mitch McConnell. Like, <laughs> um, so, you know, it's doing much better now. Uh, I've gone from. You know, wrapping it, you know, putting the, the butterfly stitches on or the laceration kit. So it went from laceration kit to butterfly stitches to uh, with uh, gauze wrapped around that and then like that weird like sticky stuff. Uh, the It's almost like an ace bandage, but not quite like it sticks to itself uh, and some medical tape wrapped around it to uh, and showering with a, a taped on plastic glove. Uh, not plastic, uh, latex glove to keep it dry to now I just have uh, a single Band-Aid on it. Like, it's it's been doing, this uh, is, it's this healing is fairly super well. super exciting radio. Yeah, well, if Everyone is the, on the edge of their seats, just, just hanging well, we on have every to, word. We have to update everyone as to what's going on, and, you know, everyone's very curious about our Well, I mean, this episode status. is coming out later. This is Throwdown Thursday, weekend edition, because we've had some technical difficulties. Uh, the difficulty being, technically, there aren't enough hours in the day. Yeah, and I was having some issues with the, uh, the, um... The hard drive it's with all our stuff life on it. Yeah, and it's all a weird thing. Stuff. But we are here. We are here for you. And we have a fantastic getting into character question today. And a lot of people have uh, submitted answers to it, so we should probably get to it instead of your long winded diatribes. Oh my God. <laughs> So what was the getting into character question? So we wanted to know what are some of your favorite Christmas films? And I'm going to preface this by saying there's no such thing as a Christmas film because Christmas is not a genre. Therefore, we're not going to have any arguments about what is or is not a Christmas movie. And I'm going to preface this by saying whatever you classify as a Christmas film is what a Christmas film is. So if you think Die Hard, if you think Lethal Weapon, uh, if there are certain films that absolutely have nothing to do with the the, the, the holiday season, but there are they are films that you like Watch to this you time enjoy. Of year. Yeah, yeah, you know, um, they count. Everything counts. Yeah. So you know, if you're interested in my thoughts, there is an article up on ThrowdownThursdayPodcast.com of what exactly is a Christmas movie from November of last year that I wrote. Uh, pretty much straightening everything out and you know Where giving you my are ideas. You Christmas? What so is we have a movie? Uh, we have a whole bunch of uh, responses to get to. So why don't we get to that? So uh, you have folks that responded to you on your personal Facebook page, and we have some on our uh, Throwdown Thursday group page. So we're gonna say uh, I'll start with mine because the first person dropped uh, ten different movies. Uh, first one. Uh, this is uh, Joey DiCarlo, who says, uh, The Christmas Light, 
I'm not familiar with that one. It looks like a, a like early 2000, late 19, late ni- uh, 1900s uh, CGI. Um, I can't tell this. Believe in Santa, like another weird animated one. I'm not familiar with it all. A Christmas Story. Yep. Uh, the very appropriate Nightmare Before Christmas. Emmett Otter's Jug Band <gasps> Christmas, which I'm sure we're going to see more of. Mm-hmm. Uh, Better Off Dead. Die Hard 2. Die Harder, Scrooged, The Long Kiss Goodnight, and Die Hard. So I don't know if those are in any particular order, but uh, those are the first ten that uh, we received uh, from uh, Joey DiCarlo. So our friend Dara, also known as the Tiny German, the other half of Powerful Brandon, said, said the Nightmare Before Christmas, which is so fitting because today we are talking about Jack Skellington. Yes, I'm sure we'll, we're going to hear a lot of the repeating ones. Uh, our friend Crystal says, uh, just gave a, a gif of the Grinch, saying that her son calls her Grinchy and that she's not sure how to take that. I will say this, not a fan of the live action version because I do not like Jim Carrey, but the animated version kind of holds a special place just because it's one of those uh, Christmas specials that I watched routinely every year growing up. Oh yeah, it's and one of those ones that we always have. so good. Narrated by Boris Karloff. You know, you really can't go wrong with that. Sung by the guy who d- is the voice of Tony the Tiger. Wow, wow, No, not that. Our friend and fantastic author, Paul McNamee, said the Polar McNamee? Express. McNamee? That, that's that's a word. <laughs> that's a pronunciation. I apologize. It's late. McNamee. Sangria is involved. <laughs> I will not be held responsible. Um, so, fun fact about my opinion on the Polar Express, I don't like it, which is weird because I adore Tom Hanks. You know, what's funny is that the dead-eyed, creepy clone people of uh, Polar Express still look more real than real Mark Zuckerberg. So just throwing that out there. Um, go ahead. Is that? Would they just have one? They just said one. Oh, okay. Yes. So uh, our good friend Bra Pow, uh, powerful Brandon, says uh, the Family Stone, which is. Fabulous! I love that film, and we had a little bit of back and forth, and him saying that uh, he'll watch that film any time of year, and same, same. I've it's, never it's seen really... it. I don't even like. No, you will see. Here's the thing: like, I I watch it. Uh, you know, I, I definitely watch it every Christmas. Uh, when we had cable, and it was on cable, I used to watch it on cable a lot. Like Sly and the Family Stone. Like yes. the disco group? E- absolutely, yes. Uh, it has SJP in it. Stephen Joseph Parcival? Yes, that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you got next? I got, because I just did Family Stone. What do you got? Well, Brandon goes on to list a lot. Go ahead. Oh, I oh, okay. Yeah, I just did uh, 10 for my first one. So well, he he posts more. He goes on. Oh, oh well, I yeah, I have so different people in between, lot. so I'll I'll read them just, as I get to them. Okay. Yeah. This is what happens when we skip rehearsal. We like every week. <laughs> Our buddy Kex says Krampus, and mm. yes, that oh such oh. a great. I love David Keckner. 
like anything he's in. Like I'm a huge fan. Well, and it has such a really good. Uh, uh, oh my god, it has such a good cast. People who I'm drawing a blank on their names right now. Uh, Cones of Dunshire. Of course, I Adam, remember that. Adam. Uh, Adam Scott. Scott. I always want to call him Adam Scott. McKay, but that's the director. Yeah, and Adam Scott. Uh, Oh, oh, what's her face from Knives Out? She was the one that your friend told not her that she needed. Frances she... McDormand? No, no she not Frances McDormand. Frances not in Knives Out. Oh, she was the, the United She's... States of Terra. Yes. Hereditary. Yes. Uh, why do I know all the movies right, she's in? Right, right. Why? Why do I want to? I want to call her Taya Leone, but that's not it. It's not Taya Leone at all. That is not it. That is like the so far thing. we've both it, been. It is not like, Vera Farmiga. It is not Taya Leone. Um, Tony t- Collette. Tony Collette. Tony Collette. Tony Collette. Uh, yeah, she's fantastic. Oh yeah, she's but I really so I, good. I, we don't remember who she so is. Good, you can't remember your name. Um, yeah, that that film is. Really well done. All right. So uh, a newcomer to the group, I believe, Zahir Al-Daoud says, Love Actually, It's a Wonderful Life, and Nightmare Before Christmas. So, uh, again, I haven't seen Love Actually. Is that the one with the... Like everybody's trying to hook up with everybody else. Jojen so, Reed uh, is in that. And yes, Rick Grimes. Yes, and, and Hugh Grant and Snape and uh, Emma Thompson, I think, is in it. She's and Kira Knightley and um, uh, Andrew Lincoln. It's, you know, again, it's one of those. Uh, He's all like, Carl, you're getting I've, cold. I've, I've seen it. There are some really cute parts. I do enjoy the uh, the Christmas pageant. That's pretty funny. But it's it's not a it's definitely not on my list. But I know several people who enjoy that. All right. So what do you got? So uh, friend, author, and retroid Steve Van Sampson said Gremlins. Gremlins is a quality film. I mean, it is the number one film of all time in which uh, Corey Feldman dresses up as a Christmas tree. I will uh, I will stand by that. I'm just looking something up because I'm trying to find an exact date. Do you want me to say another one while you're doing stuff? Nope, I got it. Okay. Uh, my mom commented. Well, your mom. It happened on Fifth Avenue. Uh, a Christmas Carol from, she said, either the 30s or 40s came out in 1938. Okay. That's what I was just checking. And the original Miracle on 34th Street. Okay. Yeah. Our buddy Jimmy Lambs from It Came From the 508 said, The Night the Reindeer Died with Lee Majors featured in the Christmas classic Scrooged. Yes. The Night the Reindeer Died. Yeah. You've been a very good boy, Lee. (laughs) Followed after by the uh, Robert Goulet, uh, was it the Bayou Christmas or whatever? Christmas on IBC. You'll love it. You'll love it. Uh your life just may depend on it. Uh, Brapow is back with The Preacher's Wife, and he said uh, one can also watch The Bishop's Wife starring Cary Grant. It was the original that Preacher was made remade from. What do you got next? Oh. I got a mouthful of wine. That's what I've got next. Hell yeah. Our friend Slagoth said Lethal Weapon. Okay. Well, I mean, he... You've never seen that, but like the opening introduction to I've seen uh, bits and 
piece. Well, the opening of introduction me. to Martin Riggs is he's buying a I've Christmas he's doing drug deal from fourth, Christmas. Fourth one? Fifth one? The fifth one from uh, I've I've seen the fifth one. Lethal Weapon Five. Even sharks need water. Yes. <laughs> uh, up next, powerful Brandon says Claymation Christmas, of course. And uh our friend Colleen says, I have such vivid memories of this this as a kid. And Brandon responded with, I have it on DVD, which we also do. Uh, she says, and she responded with, I only had it on a blurry recorded from TV VHS that was super worn out because I rewatched it a million times over, including the Garfield Christmas special and Wish for Wings that work that were on it too. Uh, and you said, here we come a-waffling with extra butter. With extra butter. I love Will Vinton's Claymation Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, same, Colleen. I had it on VHS. It was with... Because I, I feel like they showed it several years concurrently with uh, the Garfield Christmas special. So we had it recorded on VHS and I wore the tape out just like I wore the the VHS that we had the Muppet Family Christmas recorded on. And we recently we picked that up a few years ago. Yeah, I found that on VHS. But, DVD. Uh, we got the DVD we too. DVD? I think we have both. I know we, we have a, we have because we, we, we have, have a an, we have two VCRs, one hooked up in the studio and one hooked up out in the living room because we're but we, we very modern. Definitely have we the, have it on uh, some Claymation medium. Christmas on DVD and it's yes. uh, on a disc with I think it's the California it's the, Raisins. Yeah. Well, yes, the California Raisins is they're in the Christmas yeah. special, but I was saying before I was cut off that it's on the same disc as the. Easter special and I believe the Halloween special and that's with the uh, California prunes so uh, friend Joe Lemieux said Scrooge musical uh, actually that's uh, I have to skip a couple but uh, powerful Brandon says that as well and he says the musical starring Albert Finney so that's on there uh, what else have you got? So Colleen said a wish for thing, a wish for things, a wish for wings that work. Garfield's Christmas special, Gremlins, Ernest saves Christmas, Claus, the the ref. Just watched that Dutch Netflix TV miniseries that should have been a movie called. Is it nicer or nisser? N i s s e r. In parentheses, she wrote elves. Super good. Uh. She said, but my family tradition was always to watch the original Star Wars trilogy every year. Okay. Uh, Brandon back uh, with a couple more. I'll just read through his real quick. Uh, Because Colleen said the same thing over here. Um, He said, trading places, Scrooged, and Little Women. Uh, Crystal jumped back in with uh, the Muppet. Uh, Christmas Carol. Mm-hmm. We're Marley and Marley, and uh, with my cocaine. What else you got? Uh, so my friend Drea said all the classics like Rudolph, Elf, and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. And who doesn't love the Grinch? Uh, Coop jumped in over here. Said uh, Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas and the Bells of Fraggle Rock. Also. And this is one that's near and dear to our hearts. The Cretans Guild production of It's a Wonderful Life (laughs) and A Christmas Carol. (laughs) Yes, It's a Wonderful Life, where I played uh, uh, George Bailey, 
if he was played by John Travolta. And who can forget the iconic line of uh, from the uh, Cretans Guild Christmas Carol, where you learned that all the prostitutes were Jewish because of their foreskin. That one was uh, a little raunchier than I believe Dickens uh, had in mind, but uh, wasn't there one where a lot of fresco was involved? That was uh, that was the same one. I even made an ad for the. I'll you know what? I'll play that ad. I'm gonna play the fresca ad in this show because we referenced it. Because I still have it. What do you got? So the good witch Anna Maria said, "I love Home Alone. Also, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the one with Jim Carrey." Oh, so opposite of you. Uh, Lori Leinart, uh, Miss Lori San from Geektopia, uh, says uh, Rudolph. Keep going. That, that, that that's it. it? Okay, well, she cool. just posted a gif of Rudolph. Okay. Kales uh, from the Crypt says Batman Returns. Yep. I mean, that, I mean, they even incorporated a little bit of Passover stuff in there where uh, he was trying to kill all the firstborn sons. Uh, let's see. Sheila of... Uh, Bad CGI Sharks says, uh, okay, so one that I really enjoy that doesn't get a lot of love and should is Love at the Christmas Table. It's sweet and you won't believe the production company that made it. So who is the production company? Because she included the IMDb link. Uh, Let's see. Oh, it's got uh, Winnie from uh, uh, Not Boy Meets World. The Wonder Years. The Wonder Years. Uh, I don't know who the... uh, Trying to see who the production company is uh it's probably like Lionsgate or something like something wacky leah thompson danica mckeller and dustin milligan i don't know oh he is ted from schitt's creek okay so that's yeah yeah you wouldn't know because you don't watch schitt's creek i haven't which i you, tried you need, no I've you tried. did you did not try when sam first like- met cat it was love at first bite is he a vampire Love at the Christmas table. I don't know. Man realizes that his best friend since childhood is a woman that he loves. Aww. Uh, so while you're looking up stuff, uh, the goddess Jen Spinelli said Krampus, Rare Exports, Ernest Saves Christmas, Christmas Horror Story, Scrooged, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, The Grinch, the Jim Carrey one, Gremlins, Die Hard, White Christmas, Christmas Office Party, Just Friends, Silent Night, Deadly Night 2, Black Christmas, and Batman Returns. I'm trying to see where, I I don't know who put it out, but that's all right. I can look it up after. Uh, Sir Isaac says, as a member of Generation X, there's really only one choice for Christmas films, and he, of course, says Die Hard, uh, followed closely after that by our good friend the immensely talented Amy Stolte, who also said Die Hard. Uh, and what have you got? I've only got one left. So our friend Kevin, you know him from Wicked Horror Show and Black and White Fright, along with other shows on the Dorkening Network, said Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas, The Dog That Stopped the War, A Christmas Story. He says, sorry, I'm boring. No, you're boring. You like what you like. Yeah, that's not that's not boring. I haven't heard of a couple of those. Um so, uh, last is uh, TJ, who says, A Christmas Story and 1974's Black Christmas, the sequel to White Christmas. 
<laughs> yes. Yeah. That, that that's it. Uh, our friend Timmy Cricks, also known as Eight Bit Alchemy, Eight Inch Alchemy, uh-huh, uh, said, "How the Grinch Stole Christmas." Your cousin Ethan said, "Iron Man Three, Fight Me." Uh, no, you like what you like. Uh, my friend KJ said, "Off the top, if it's a wonderful life." Skip Shea said, "Inside." And our friend Kelly said, "Die Hard, Home Alone, Elf, and Frosty." All so right. all some really fantastic and fabulous choices. Well, I have my top five list. Did you create a list? I'm just going to go with it. All right. So I had I created a top five list the other day before anybody else did because this was kind of like the jumping off point. So the top five Christmas movies. Uh, and, of course, I have two honorable mentions. And not surprisingly, I have several overlaps with Powerful Brandon. So my... Uh, Top five, uh, I have Home Alone, The Nightmare Before Christmas, Fat Man, which if you have not seen it, it's uh, it just came out last year. Is that when Batman retires? No, that's the one with uh, Mel Gibson and Walton Goggins, and it's fucking awesome. Mel Gibson is Santa Claus, but he also uses a gun. Uh, Elf. And then my honorable mentions are Scrooged and Trading Places. And my number one, because this is one of the first movies I can recall seeing in the theater, and my mom took me to see it, and I thought it was uh, really awesome, but it was also very dark. And it was the first time that I can recall seeing someone in a movie going, he's from another movie, Santa Claus the Movie, which had... A very long-bearded Burgess Meredith, who I recognized from the Rocky films. Also, 1966 Batman series. Because mm-hmm. he was the penguin. Um, but yeah, that's my, my top five. So, what have ye? So, a most uh, a, a recent favorite of mine. It actually came out last year. It's the Jinx and Dela holiday oh, special. Oh, that was so Jinx good. Jinx Monsoon and Ben De La Creme got together, and they do a lot of acts and stuff together anyways. They tour, and it's fantastic. But they got together, and they created a Christmas special, and it's reminiscent of the old, like, specials on TV where there's skits and everything kind of you know there, there's an overall story and then little things happen you know that, that some of them do contribute to the story some of them are just fun but uh, you know songs and little numbers and dancing and it's drag and it's fabulous. Is that the and, one with Katya doing the Russian thing? Well I mean Katya always does the Russian thing but uh, no Katya is not in that one. Who am I thinking? There was like there was that one that one cameo that was like that one random part that you had me watch. You were like, oh, my God, this is the best part. And I don't remember what it was. It was like somebody that came in for like two seconds and then got kicked out. I don't even know if we're talking about the same thing. I'm pretty sure we are. Like they came in the door like, oh, yeah, it's this person. And like she came in like all dolled up. Oh, it was somebody that they were dressed all in white and they had. Oh, 
I'm going to have to rewatch it so I can I, I, I guess so, yeah. So I don't go, know what you're referring to. Yes, you do. Um, you're crazy. Another favorite of mine, so it was on VH1. I need to find it. I need to have a copy of it. It's A Diva's Christmas Carol starring Vanessa Williams and Kathy Griffin and you know a whole slew of other people. And it's really fun. You know, obviously it's a more modern take on on you know a Christmas Carol and you know Vanessa Williams is this uber diva and she is just such a cunt. What but about her character is... in the movie? Oh, shut your <laughs> you shut your face. Shut your face. Vanessa Williams is a blessing, okay? She is fantastic. She will unbreak your heart. Or is that Tony Braxton? That is Tony Braxton. I don't remember. They all had songs that came out around the same time. I don't remember what Vanessa Williams did. You just need to shush sh- sh- your pretty face. Shush. Sh- sh- <laughs> <laughs> you said Vanessa Williams save the best for last Google to the rescue she right. also painted with all the colors of the wind I almost said Mulan it's not Mulan Mulan Yay, is Mulan. I'm a man you're gonna make a man out of you that's what that <laughs> Mulan one is. is I'm a man <laughs> wow uh, <laughs> I am on a fucking roll knowing who people Good are job. Um, another one of my favorites, uh, as mentioned before, is Will Vinton's Claymation Christmas. I love that so much. You know, technically, yes, it's a Christmas special. It's not a Christmas film. But you know what? To each their own. I fucking love it. It's fantastic. Uh, my favorite skit, aside from, I do love... Snooty T-Rex. Well, I mean, I, I love the dinosaur hosts. The T-Rex that talks like <laughs> Thurston Howell from Gilligan's Island. Imagine what wassailing is, you dumbass. Well, I mean, they're trying to figure out the the words to "Here We Come a Wassailing," and they can't remember. That's, and no, my, fa- they, my, my he knows what part... it is, but no one else does. <laughs> my, have the fa- well, my favorite part is the waffles. Oh, Here yeah. we come a waffling. One with extra butter. Yes, I heard <laughs> the T Rex is fantastic. Not here, the, the the Triceratops. He's not a Triceratops. The He's a Styracosaurus. Tri- the blue Triceratops. He's a Styracosaurus. Well, he's great. I love that part. With extra butter. His name is not Mittens. It's Herb. But anyways, I love herb? that. But, but herb. 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 <laughs> herb. Uh, but the the California Raisins are, are probably one of the better skits. Um, but I love the Carol of the Bells with like the really creepy conductor and the really doofy like the bell. That that's my favorite one. Always has been. Oh, um, hitting them, hitting themselves with the hammers. Yes, yes, yes. And then finally at the end, like they do like a slingshot and knock him off, and he's just like, oh, "I did it." Uh, it's it's great. Because he kept um, screwing up. He he lost his hammer. He tries to grab the other guy's hammer without him noticing. Yes, yeah. He's like, Ooh. um, another one of my favorites is Elf. I love Elf. My sister and I love Elf. It's the only one we both have so far. So. My sister texted me today. Fun fact, uh, just saying. Hey, remember when we re- remember when we found out that narwhals are real? <laughs> How did you not know that? I thought they were fake. Why would you think? I that? thought the narwhal like 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 the unicorn. Unicorns aren't real. They should be, but they're not. They're the unicorns of the sea. I thought they weren't real. I didn't realize that narwhals were a real thing. Unbelievable. Because that's our favorite part of Elf. Bye, buddy. buddy I hope, hope you, you find, find your, your dad. dad. Thanks, Mr. Narwhal. 
Of course, like, that's the best are part. Real. I like smiling. Smiling's my favorite. <sighs> what uh, else you got? So, next on my list four. is. Um, well, I have multiple. So, yeah, uh, a Muppet Family Christmas. It's not the Muppet Christmas Carol. It's not any other Muppet film or special that has to do with Christmas. It came out in the 80s. It was a Christmas special. It aired a couple of times, I believe. And it's difficult to find. And it's difficult to find. And I have yet to find it in its entirety because they edited it because yeah, of copyrights and stuff. stuff. Yeah. Right. So, um, there's that whole scene with the snowman and Fozzie that has been uh, omitted from the the VHS or the should say the the home release, but it is fantastic. It is campy. It has not only the Muppets, but flashback to the Muppet Babies. It has the Sesame Street gang, and it has the Fraggles. Mm-hmm. It's and John Denver shows up because of course he does. Yeah. It's really good. I love it. Uh, if you can get your hands on a copy, you can find the omitted scene, or at least I, I looked once and I found it on YouTube. I don't know if you can find it anymore, but, uh, um, you know, and speaking of Christmas specials, uh, we were just talking about Alvin and the Chipmunks. We were, because I, I was saying that's one of my, uh, we were at Walmart earlier, and that was, I was saying the... I Still Want a Hula Hoop is probably my favorite Christmas song. Talking about the Golden Echo Harmonica. Uh, yeah, that, that special was fantastic. Also, shout out to the Garfield Christmas special. because As that, mentioned by Colleen. Yes, because that was really good, too. Um, he makes him, he gets the back scratcher and, and from Odie, and then he finds all the love letters. The grandma's letters, you know, which is just so sweet. And... Um, you know, when the the family says good night to each other, it's kind of reminiscent of the the Waltons. the Waltons. But I didn't realize that it was, and like we used to do that at home. You know, I would call my dad John Boy for some reason, even though that was not his name, not even close to his name. But anyways, uh, next on my list, so a couple of honorable mentions: Trading Places. Mm-hmm. It's but Trading Places for us has become kind of like a Thanksgiving thing. Well, we mainly watch it on because or around Thanksgiving because of the line it ain't cool being no jive turkey so close to Thanksgiving which I will say all through November um so there's that one uh Nightmare Before Christmas I consider it more or, or I tend to watch it more around the Christmas season than I do for Halloween uh, for me, it's just kind of I I vibe with it more during the Christmas season. Christmas is not my my thing, so uh, you know uh, I, I enjoy it more watching it this time of year. Uh, and then a couple, like I said, that aren't Christmas films, but I, I used to watch these films a lot around the holidays. Mary Poppins and the Wizard of Oz. Okay. Now, Mary Poppins, just I, I mean, I used to watch that. Every day at one point, but The Wizard of Oz, and you know, if you have cable TV, I don't know if they still do it, but they used to like TNT or USA or one of those uh, networks used to play The Wizard of Oz almost like at nauseum. Uh, yeah, now it's Christmas Story. You know, I, I remember a lot of times wrapping presents while watching The Wizard of Oz. So, um, also. Shout out to 
John Waters' Female Trouble, because if Die Hard is a Christmas movie, then Female Trouble is a Christmas movie, too. Because Don Davenport did not get her cha-cha heels for Christmas, because good girls don't wear cha-cha heels. And that sent Don Davenport on this spiral that is the film Female Trouble. All right, so when you're saying you're having female troubles, you're actually having a Christmas movie? Yeah, yes. Uh, that's, I'm so confused now. Uh, but my, my, my favorite Christmas film, and I watched this a, a, a handful of times around the Christmas season, is White Christmas. I love it so much. The I prequel grew up, to Black Christmas. Yes, I grew up <laughs> watching it, and you know, my, it was a, a favorite of my parents. And I love those classic films that kind of... Uh, Back in the day, watching a film was an experience because not many films were made and not many people went to the cinema. People would wear a suit. Like, you get well, dressed so, like, up like you're a, going to church. Yeah, like, it was, a, it was an event. Going to, to the movies, going to the cinema was equivalent of going to see a watching play. Watching films. You know, it was, uh, it was a grand event. And a lot of these older films, they are are almost genreless because they encompass so many different genres. You know, it's it's romance, it's comedy, it's drama, it's you know all of these different things. There's singing, there's dancing. You know, typically if a if a movie today has singing and dancing, it's classified as a musical, or you know a Disney film, or um, you know. It's a it's a it's a romantic comedy or it's a comedy or if it's a drama or a dramedy. dramedy. You know, it, n- films don't tend to uh, encompass so many different genres anymore. So these films, like they were so entertaining because a lot went into making these films. Now, I mean, a lot of people like we're in the process of making films. Yes. You know, it's uh, it's more readily available with technology and stuff. You know, pretty much if if there's a will, there's a way. You know, if, if you want to make a film, you can make one. But back then, you know, it was a, it was a whole thing. You needed to have the production studio behind you when, you know, it was a, it was a whole big thing. And it was it was so glamorous. And I think that's what I love about this film so much. It's so glamorous. It just hits so many nails on the head. Right? Is that, that's a thing. That's not a thing. That's, that, that's a thing. Like, it hits it, so many nails on the head. Like, you just, it, it does. I think that might have been the first time those words were put in that particular order <laughs> in the history it, it of does, humanity. It does things. But anyways, I love it. I think it's fantastic. Um, Bing Crosby. Ugh. I have a new one. I have to add one. Jaws of Revenge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jaws of Revenge takes place on Christmas. Santa Jaws? Nope. Jaws of Revenge takes place when, when Sean is killed. It's like Christmas Eve. And when she uh, Ellen goes to the Bahamas with Mike to stay with him, it's for Christmas. So Jaws 4, Jaws of Revenge. Thanks, everybody. That's you know This is, this is what you've done. Jaws of Revenge is a Christmas movie. So put that in your straw and suck it. So, uh... Who are you talking to? They know. They know who they are. Oh, but I'm getting flack for nails on the head. Yeah. Heads. Nails on the heads. Hits every nail in the head. The face part of the head. 
All the nails. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> so I think with that, uh, we will see. No, uh, we will <laughs> take a quick break, and uh, we will be back with our main discussion uh, from the character from the movie so many of us have uh, added to our top Christmas list, uh, Jack Skellington of uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas. Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. Oh, hi, like, oh my God, I'm John Travolta, and when I need to recharge my teeth levels, I reach for a Fresca. Fresca is Italian for fresh, and that's how it makes you feel, you know. <sighs> Fresca, the official soft drink of Scientology and the Somebody's Podcast Network. Oh my God. Welcome to an extraordinary world filled with magic and wonder. Open your mind and let yourself go to a place where every day is Halloween and every night Jack Skellington I am the Pumpkin King! dreams of something different. What is this? It's someplace new. Jack, look out! What's this? What's this? There's color everywhere. What's this? There's white things in the air. What's this? I can't believe my eyes. I must be dreaming. Wake up, Jack. This is there. What is this? Haven't you heard of peace on earth and goodwill toward men? <laughs> Touchstone Pictures presents the enchanting story of two very special dreamers and the holiday spirit that brought them together. From the imagination of Tim Burton comes The Nightmare Before Christmas. And what did Santa bring you, honey? And we are back. That, of course, was the trailer for 1993's The Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, written, but not directed, by Tim Burton. So, fun fact, the song What's This was originally titled What the Fuck Is This? And that's exactly what I said when I walked out my door the other day and there was fucking snow on the ground. That's true. That did happen. Uh, but, but, you know, it was you know intended for children, so they decided to, to, to edit it and shorten it to What's This? It was uh, directed by Henry Selleck, uh, who actually um, also directed... Coraline, James and the Giant Peach. Uh, so a lot of stuff that Tim Burton gets credit for is actually Henry Selleck directing. So The Nightmare Before Christmas is actually a poem, a three-page poem 
titled The Nightmare Before Christmas, written by Tim Burton. Uh, he did it when he was a Disney animator in the early 1980s. He took inspiration from television specials like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, and the poem A Visit from St. Nicholas. On the 2008 special edition Blu-ray DVD release, Christopher Lee narrates this poem with a new animated visual accompaniment. Which we have, that 25th anniversary. Yes, and he was also inspired, so the idea was originally sparked by the fact that it was around Halloween time and Halloween stuff in the stores was hastily being replaced by Christmas stuff. And well, thank God that the, doesn't happen anymore. The juxtaposition of ghouls and goblins with Santa and his reindeer sparked his imagination. I mean, it you definitely see that inspiration and you definitely see the um you know the the like we feel that same way. It's like you're walking in, it's like, oh, here's a well, I mean, animatronic like, skeleton next to an animatronic reindeer. Well, you know, and and now we're seeing Christmas stuff in the stores well before Halloween stuff is even thought of, you know, and here's being displayed. Here's the thing that I, I think is just the absolute craziest to me. Halloween is the second highest grossing holiday, obviously behind Christmas. And Halloween makes such a shit ton of money nationwide when you really only see it September 30th to October 30th because on October 31st all the retail stores are already taking all the Halloween shit out because Christmas is already up Christmas has been up since fucking Labor Day but Halloween gets four weeks and still makes so much money and like if I'm a store if I, I'm running a chain like Walmart or Target or one of these big stores I'm starting my Halloween shit in September, I'll start a little bit of Christmas on November 1st because not only are people going to be done with Halloween at that point, but they're going to be coming in for all the half-price candy, all the half-price Halloween stuff because folks like us, like, oh, you're, buy you're getting a head start in your Halloween decorations? No, this is all your home decor. Like, that's what we're here for. Mm -hmm. So if they were smart, because like, we went into Michael's in mid-October, and they were wiped out of Halloween shit. Everything was already on clearance. It's like, how is this October, like, 10th? And, or no, it was, it was probably, like, the 20th. It's like, how is this already, you know, it's a week before Halloween, but all this shit is gone, and it's all Christmas. But Halloween still, Halloween merchandise, you still make so much money off it. Like, why wouldn't you leave it in the stores longer? Like, if the whole drive is capitalism, why wouldn't you want to make money? Like, you can make money off Christmas and Halloween at the same time. Like, you don't have to choose one or the other. Right? Like I said, what the fuck is this? Yeah. That's generally what, like, I literally said that when I was working at Target and I was walking. It was Halloween. It was October 31st. And they were tearing down all the Halloween shit to put up. The Christmas shit, because everything you can't have stuff when it actually happens. Like back to school, I don't know if anybody listening to this has worked retail in the last decade or so, but back to school, 
starts in July. People come in in late August, early September. Oh, I need, you know, I finally got the list of stuff that my kid needs for class, and I need X, Y, and Z. I'm like, well, you should have come in two months ago before you had the list because that's when we had it, and that's when it's on sale. Sorry, we have Christmas stuff now. So getting back to the film, (laughs) I want to talk about the animation concept for a moment. Before we, I just want to throw something out because this is a Disney film. And Disney but, is so just just let me let me just give me this give me this tangent. So really you you need another tangent already? It's been You don't need to take a breather. Do you want to take a seconds. sip of water? I don't have any I have wine and soda. Uh I just want to throw this out there real quick because something that Disney has been known for over the past few years has been misleading trailers. And this coming out almost 30 years ago is no exception. Like, if you watch this trailer that we play, and obviously you can't see it because it's all audio, but if you watch this exact trailer, the scene where Sally says, watch out, Jack, is immediately followed by Jack getting sucked into the, the tree, the Christmas tree tree, into Halloween, uh, Christmas Town, which doesn't happen in the film. Like, those two scenes are not next to each other. So, like, it's edited very interestingly to make it seem like this is stuff that is all happening and, like, there's another weird conflict, which I don't think is necessary. Like, just sell it on, like, the crazy animation and, and the, 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 the cool character designs. That's all I had. So Disney, fun fact, actually decided to not release the film. They released it under Touchstone Pictures Mm -hmm. because they thought it was going to be too dark for children and they wanted to keep, you know, the the, the Disney facade that they had going. And they did this, I believe, with a couple of other films, too. I mean, now, obviously, it is known as Disney's Tim Burton's A Nightmare Before Christmas. Directed by Henry Selleck. But, you know, (laughs) but it was just, you know, when it was released, Tim Burton's A Nightmare Before Christmas. Well, I can understand how they'd be, you know, you know, they don't want children to be subjected to anything like this. Let them stick with classic Disney things like dead parents, you know, watching watching Bambi's mom get killed, watching, you know. Uh, you know, uh, Fantasia and, you know, giant demons erupting from mountains. Nothing scary. You like, are just full of tangents this nothing evening. Nothing scary aren't you? like a skeleton in a suit. Ooh, a ghost dog with a pumpkin nose. We don't want kids to be subjected to that. So this came out in 93. Do you remember your first time seeing this film? I do. I saw it in the theaters and I was absolutely mesmerized by not just the creature design but i always have uh and we've talked about this uh like on our king kong episode i've been a huge fan of stop motion animation because it is so detailed and so because i grew up watching stuff like the california raisins watching you know the muppets watching king kong like stop motion animation for me was one of the coolest forms, you know, another show that, you know, a lot of kids, you know, but maybe some of you folks watching at home, speaking of claymation, Gumby, watching oh Gumby. Oh my God, I love like, the blockheads. 
watching this type of stuff, like that type of animation, I'd always been fascinated by it, but it was always very... I don't want to say, like... Gumby and Pokey weren't overly complex I was going to say, like, they were were very simple, and the designs were simple. Just the trailer of seeing that one tree that had the four hanged skeletons walking into the town meeting. Like, getting to see that was like, wow, that's impressive. How did they do that? Because I know stop motion is, I think it's like 24 frames per second. So you have to, like, slightly tweak, take a picture. Slightly tweak, take a picture. Slightly tweak, take a picture. Like, it's incredibly time consuming and you have to make sure the lighting is right and like the mouths are right like the very first episode of uh south park used the actual construction paper cutouts and everything to make it you know and they obviously like reference that in a meta way in the episode when the kids try to make their own christmas special but anything like that to me i thought was more impressive than drawing, like hand-drawn animation. Because hand-drawn, if you make a mistake, just erase it and relay that those cells down. Like you can lay down a handful of cells on top of each other to see what the motion is that you're looking at. With claymation, it's so different and so much more time-consuming. So I thought it was brilliant. I loved the music. Uh, I've always loved the songs. I loved the characters. Um, I didn't realize that it was Catherine O'Hara as Sally, you know, who I had just seen in, in uh, Home Alone, because that's what I knew her from. Um, I just thought it was super cool. Like I, And again, I didn't know who Henry Selleck was. I was like, oh, Tim Burton directed this. But yeah, I remember seeing it in the theater and thinking that it was just this incredibly well done film that I just wanted to watch over and over and over again. I was 12. So it's funny that you mentioned the animation because it took a group of around 120 people three years to complete this film. For one second of film, up to 12 stop-motion moves had to be made. Oh, I said 24 hours around. Well, I mean, maybe for Stuff Done Now, but for this specific film, it was 12. Um, there were a total of 109,440 frames taken for this film. From what I understand, one of the most difficult shots of the entire film was when Jack goes to open the door. Yes. So it is because viewers can see. So it's when he goes to uh, reach for the doorknob to Christmas land. And it's because viewers can see the perfect surround reflection of the forest around Jack in the background. Yeah, and but you have to make sure that they didn't get the camera, which was unbelievable how they did that. So the filmmakers constructed 227 puppets to represent the characters in the movie, with Jack Skellington having around 400 heads, allowing for the expression of every possible emotion. Yeah, uh, I've seen like some of the like the behind the scenes stuff. You know, it's on that DVD that we talked about, which I picked up at uh, That's Entertainment uh, one year. Um, the 
like the attention to detail that had to be like I would not have wanted to be like prop master or script supervisor for this film because your eyes would eventually end up bleeding. But think of the complexity of just getting Jack to walk up a hill with the correct lighting. Now have him interacting the whole opening montage song, like all these different characters, the witches flying, the the uh, oogie boogie shadow on the moon exploding into bats. Like holy shit! Like they they did combine some, you know, like the ghosts and stuff that you see mm-hmm. come out of the pumpkins. That's you know traditional hand drawn animation, and like there are scenes where when you see the the bats flying towards the screen, you can see the strings on the bats, but it's like you don't even care. Like it's one of those things. that's like, I don't give a shit that I can see the strings on these bats because I know like, how would you get a bat to flutter without having a string on it? Like a clay bat. Well, and it kind of, uh, enhances some of the animation. I think it enhances the, the overall aesthetic. So, um, Regarding the backgrounds and just the way that the characters were were animated and, and, and styled and created, director Henry Selick said, quote, when we reached when we reach Halloween Town, it's entirely German expressionism. When Jack enters Christmas Town, it's an outrageous Dr. Seuss-esque set piece. Finally, when Jack is delivering presents in, quote, the real world, everything is plain, simple, and perfectly aligned. Yeah, it's... So I think, you know, having those, especially in Halloween Town, having the pencil markings uh, just kind of adds to the oddness, uniqueness of these characters. Yeah. These monstrosities, if you will. And it's... One of the more impressive ones, like, you know, Jack having 950 different heads. How about the the dude with the melty face? Like, having that guy, like, animating his face. Or the water dripping off of the merman-looking dude, the fish dude. Mm-hmm. Like... <sighs> the attention to detail is fantastic. So, despite pushback from Disney... Tim Burton and Henry Selleck fought against animating Jack Skeleton with eyes. So Disney was like, hey, you got to you got to make him look nicer. Give him some eyeballs. Do something. According to a 2018 mouse plant report, Burton said, quote, the first rule of drawn animation is that you have to have eyes for expression. I thought it would be great to give life to these characters that have no eyes. He said, Disney really fought for us to give Jack these friendly eyes instead of dark holes, but we wouldn't budge, which I think really the way that they animated Jack's eyes, he is so expressive for not having eyebrows or oh, eyeballs. He, he's got like the, the ridges above his eyes that act his eyebrows, yes, so like he can but, look inquisitive or I mean, curious like he can, or he can, angry. Yeah, he can, he can furl his brow and whatnot. But it's sort of like how they do like it with shading. Spider-Man's eyes in the comic books. Yeah, like it, it's almost like a... Not well, they necessarily, change shape. It's not necessarily eyebrows, but but like sh- shading to it's where the ridges where the above brows, his eye right. holes. Yeah. Because if you notice, like on the human head, where your eyebrows are, they kind of jut out a little bit as you're feeling up your face. My eyebrows are furry. 
<laughs> but anyways, and I thought that was so fantastic. And and thinking of you know the character of Jack and how expressive he is, being such a a, a simple design of character. Yeah, I mean it's just the long long spindly arms and legs. Um, you know the hands. You don't really see his feet because he's got tiny little shoes. Tiny little shoes. Like he's and the iconic pinstriped suit that he's wearing with the spider uh like bow tie, bow tie. Yeah. yeah it's a bow tie uh, bolo <laughs> uh yeah i think it's more of a it's more of a bow tie but a cravat <laughs> so jack skellington he is the pumpkin king he is the 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 ruler the um the leader, the, well, the, he, the leader of of Halloween Town. So Halloween Town does despite have a mayor. The fact, I was going to say, despite the fact that they have a mayor, Jack is uh, unelected. Well, I mean, the mayor can't seem to really do anything. He can't make decisions. He's Jack only an elected official. Yes. <laughs> um, so you know, the Pumpkin King. He is the master of ceremonies. He is in charge of Halloween Town's Halloween celebration he is loved and respected and even idolized by the other residents for his role but he has grown weary of celebrating the same holiday endlessly and is depressed about it well you know another halloween welcome to hell like you know maybe jack was a really bad guy in his previous life it's true we don't we don't know too too much about who jack was before he was a walking skeletal corpse what's funny is you know, as we've discussed multiple times on the show, I'm very, uh, I'm a very big fan of the occult and the, uh, the, uh, like cryptids and things like that. So I was very, very confused and I tried to f do research and find out more about it during the song, uh, Jack's Lament, which you will hear later, uh, where he says to a guy in Kentucky, I'm Mr. Unlucky. I wasn't sure if that was just... I'm and I'm known throughout England and France. You know, was that like is he a cryptid? Is there like, you know, something like say the Jersey Devil, you know, or Springheel Jack? Like is he something like along those lines? Is like, he the Grim Reaper? No. No. Or not like at all. a Grim Reaper type like he can show himself to No. Because he doesn't he doesn't harvest souls or anything like that he's just kind that of that you know of they don't show him doing it so he doesn't do it uh he is a pirate though if you see him in uh james and the giant peach where they say look a skellington um and that same line was used by nick frost playing danny in hot fuzz i don't know nothing about no skellingtons when uh Nicholas Angel confronts him about all the bodies that uh, were buried underneath the town. Um, but he, you know, I thought like that was what that was a reference to. It was like, oh, he's he's based on some sort of folklore or mythology. No, he's not. It's just a song. It's just a song. It's like that's the, the words that Danny Elfman was using to um, just rhyme pants with France. Like, that's all that he was trying to do. Well, and Danny Elfman wrote all of the songs for Nightmare Before Christmas. 
And uh, he wrote them before there was a script to go off of. So he wrote the iconic songs after Burton described bits and pieces of the story to him. Quote, Tim would show me sketches and drawings, and he would tell me the story, describe it in bits and phrases and words. And I would say, oh, yeah, I got it. Three days later, I had a song. And he said that writing Nightmare's 10 songs was, quote, one of the easiest jobs I've ever had. I had a lot in common with Jack Skellington. And Denny yeah. Elfman obviously provides the uh, singing voice for Jack Skellington, while Chris Sarandon provides the speaking parts. Because, but they sound similar. Well, and that's why Chris Sarandon was hired for the part, was mm -hmm. because uh, I, I don't know why they didn't just have Danny Elfman do it, because uh, the Hollywood Bowl uh, out in... Hollywood, Hollywood, California. Uh, <laughs> what a That's where eating. all the movie stars go bowling. <laughs> yeah. Um, frequently, they've done the uh, Nightmare, a Nightmare Before Christmas Live, mm -hmm. where they've had, you know, obviously Denny Elfman and Paul Rubens and uh, Catherine O'Hara has done it several years. Most recently, Billie Eilish was a guest who sang oh, for Sally's part. She did Sally's song. Fuck, she, that was good. Right? She did a fantastic job and she looked amazing too like yeah in the full yeah makeup she, and the dress and everything she did, yeah, yeah she did a really good job but you know in order to and of course it's it's with the big orchestra and i would love to go to that, that. would be great that would be oh but uh but anyways um they they do little bits of dialogue and stuff to kind of set up some of these songs and you know obviously Danny Elfman is singing his part as Jack Skellington, and he does some of the 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 the, the speaking lines. yeah the speaking lines. And I don't know why they didn't just have him do it. It's because when you're trying to get a movie made, it's who's in it, who have you got attached? Chris Sarandon is a big name. His grandma Susan Sarandon. Uh, <laughs> You know, she's got a horror background. Not, not, not quite, not quite. Um, but, but no, but he was cast as Jack Skellington. I mean, the, he had just come parts. off of Fright Night, right? I, I don't think it was just came off of Fright Night, but he he obviously did do Fright Night. Uh, but anyways, he was cast because his his speaking voice. He was able to emulate uh, a sound similar to Danny Elfman to the point where, and this is what Disney did a lot too. Uh, now, not so much. They usually have the person who does the the actual like vocalization of the also character do the also do the singing. But you know, a, a while ago, they would have do two separate people. Yeah, like you know, Jonathan Taylor Thomas did not sing any of his lines in The Lion King. Matthew Broderick did though, and uh, so did Nathan, Nathan Lane. Lane. Yes, they did. Uh, but then again, they're veterans of uh yeah fright night came out in 1985 so this was eight years later so. a little a little off but like you know he had the uh the, the, the whole thing there you know the thing with the, the, the guy and you know but the story of jack and where he's at when we first are, are introduced to him and 
what catches his eye it's actually really relatable you know he's kind of just really sick and tired of doing the same thing over and over and over again and he's kind of longing for something more and that's where the 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 jack's lament song comes in and he's like yes i can do this and i can i can take off my head and i can quote shakespeare you know as a reference to to hamlet you know i can take off my head to recite shakespearean quotations alas poor yorick i knew him horatio a man of infinite jest but uh but anyways um you know and, and how similar is that to the lives that some of us live you know uh just kind of looking for something else looking for something more looking for something exciting shiny new going and taking something that is someone else's when you don't quite understand what it is uh i feel has uh imperialistic over undertones well i wrote right here in my notes white man syndrome i want this this is mine now uh yeah basically uh it's uh, if you watch Ryan George's pitch meeting for this film, uh, he discusses Jack's privilege. He goes, well, what do you do if you want see something that you want and it isn't yours? I take it. Well, that's what he does. And he has... He doesn't take it. He makes someone else go and take it yeah, and makes everyone else around him do... Do the work. Everyone else around... Like, he does do some research. Like, his research... I don't know what he was researching because uh, that's a weird so, science scene uh, but he makes other people do the dirty work and then he gets all the credit for oh look at how jolly my Christmas will be your, your Christmas did you make any toys did you kidnap the Sandy Claws so originally a longer version of Jack trying to get to the true meaning of Christmas through science was fully animated. Some of the best gags, including a scene of Jack doing illustrations of Santa and his monster form were cut simply due to time purposes. But what we do see is a crossed out calculation on Jack's blackboard that seems to equate three times the square of pi multiplied by 12 to Christmas day. Uh, The true numerical answer is approximately 355.31. If the decimal place is dropped, then this equates to December 21st, the 355th day of the year. Hence the crossed out equation. December 21st, however, is the first day of winter. It is the winter solstice. So it's uh, uh, him trying to figure out exactly uh, why Christmas is when Christmas, you know, <clears throat> well, because like Jesus was born place. in August, uh, but he's but he's trying to he's trying to get to the bottom of Christmas. He doesn't understand it. Uh, you know, we see in the in the what's this whole bit? You know, when he tumbles into Christmas land because this this decorated tree on a tree yeah all the different holidays all the different holidays you know uh uh, called to him and he stumbled in and saw all of these lights and these sounds of halloween you know this this joy this joy he had a a childlike sense of wonder that went awry well it's it's you know he's looking at it as it's essentially the polar opposite of what he's used to he's used to dark drab you know, grays and blacks, 
uh, you know, reds, you know, well, but he even... sees bright lights and all these different colors. And I will say, he says, what's this, what's this, what's this, what's this, what's this, doesn't know what snow is, but then knows what snowballs are, like, seconds later. You know, cut Danny Elfman some slack. He did a fabulous job with the with the. the I thought songs. you were going to say he did a lot of drugs. I mean, maybe in his Oingo Boingo years. I mean, I mean, it, he was in a band called Oingo Boingo. D- d- drugs had to have happened. Oh, yes. Yeah. But it was the 80s. Danny Elfman did do one of the greatest TV theme songs of all time, The Simpsons. Oh, that's right. Just throwing that out there for a little uh, fun little tidbit of information. I mean, he still has a really, like thriving career so good for him but i mean danny elfman does so great although <laughs> i kind of like when they made fun of him uh in the uh family guy star wars and like oh no we killed john williams now we got to do the rest of this with danny elfman like you wouldn't bring in danny elfman if anything you bring in any Morricone. but that's well i mean you, you you wouldn't now no but when star wars came out in 1977 you would but that was me um but yeah, there's there's this weird disconnect with Jack and how he gets way ahead of everything. Um, he sees Christmas, wants Christmas because it's different. It's completely opposite of what he's used to, although he does still take some of Anything he doesn't understand, he applies his own well, uh, experiences to yes, it. Sandy uh, Claus. Well, exactly. Like, he doesn't really know how to describe what he's seeing. He's not used to this joy. But to be he's fair... He's not used to these colors, these lights, this brightness. When he sees the silhouette of Santa, uh, the way he's moving, his hands do look elongated in that shadow. So it does look like he has claws. I don't quite get where he comes up like lobster like because he doesn't have like lobster claws he catches big fat lobster man yeah i mean everyone thinks he's is a lobster because he's red <laughs> but he's got the uh in the silhouette when he sees him for the first time second of all the one thing and that well, this glosses over how thing. does he get back very krampus-esque he fell from the sky how did he get back with a snowmobile? Just throwing that out there. Uh, also, you know, you mentioned you know scenes having to be cut because of the runtime. This movie is seventy six minutes long, which we realized the other day. We're like, oh, do you want to watch The Matrix or do you want to watch this? Well, how long is The Matrix? Oh, it's a little over two hours. How long is Nightmare Before Christmas? Oh, it's like an hour and a half. Nope. Not even close. I, uh, spoiler alert, we're talking about Neo next week, and it's a first-time watch for me, so brace yourself, kids. A lot of crazy... Uh, we're taking a lot of pills. We're doing a lot of stuff, apparently. Red pills. Um, red pills? What about the blue pills? No, you don't want the blue pill. Take the blue pill, and you wake in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. Take the red pill, and I show you, I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Of course, they did that on... Uh, I love rabbit holes. Well, they did that on Robot Chicken, and they're like, it's like, oh, I'll show you how deep the rabbit hole goes, and Neo takes it and passes out, and Morpheus pulls his pants down and goes, hello, rabbit hole. <laughs> so that's different from what happens in the movie. Spoiler, a little different. But, oh, really? Uh, that they're, Okay. Well, I, I'm glad that you prefaced that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, there's, there's this... You know, like you said, like this entitlement 
that Jack has where it's like we're supposed to be rooting for this guy, but like he really is kind of a villain. Like, you know, like he like Santa says to him at the end is like next time you feel like, you know, fucking around in somebody else's stuff. Listen to Sally because she seems the only like well, the only she, she one. She was the only one who was like, you know what? I don't have a good feeling about this, and she was the only one who was really looking out for Jack's best interest. Uh, Sally is a character that we are going to have to cover at some point because a, I fucking love Catherine O'Hara. She is one of my favorite people. Like, I think my favorite actors at this point are Catherine O'Hara, Jennifer Coolidge, and Tim Curry. That's a mouthful. And Divine, obviously. But, you know. Um, but, but, but anyway, so we're going to have to do a separate episode on Sally because she is actually... No, a, Sally, because your life is a lie. <laughs> she is a fantastic character. And there is a lot to unpack with She's her. She's the best character in the film. Uh, you know, and... and supposedly there is a sequel book coming out that is from the perspective of Sally. So we'll see if that actually happens because there have been sequels teased in many different ways. And I kind of wish they would just, you know, I kind of wish they would just leave well enough and alone. Not everything needs a sequel, but, uh, but anyways, we will definitely have to talk about Sally at some point, but she is the only one who says, Hey, you know, (coughs) excuse me. I don't think, this is a good idea. I have a bad feeling about this in like the pit of my stomach. She's kind of a little bit of uh, clairvoyant. She can see things that people don't necessarily see. She has, you know, just different... that one time. But I mean, like she has different abilities and stuff. And um, she's really the only one who has Jack's back in a good way because you know everyone else is saying yes to him obviously the mayor can't make decisions by himself and everyone's like oh yeah Jack you know you're the best we'll follow you we'll we'll follow you you anywhere you know you're jumping off a bridge we'll jump off too we're already dead so it doesn't matter here's the thing and you know because you brought that up you know being already dead like why were they all worried like oh Jack got blown up to smithereens it's like dude took his own head off and still sang a song with perfect pitch despite having no vocal cords or lungs he removed a rib to play fetch with his dog and that's how he created sally by removing no wait that's a different <laughs> that's a that's a different that's fake a different story. fairy tale yeah different fake story uh but no like they're like oh no jack got blown up so 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 what yeah but maybe like blowing up your bones do incinerate at a certain point well how old is jack we don't know. Like, he should be turning to dust. He said, in a million years, they'll find him only dust and a plaque. I want to know who's putting a plaque there. He's got to be putting it there himself. That reads, here, here lies, lies poor, me. poor Jack. Like, that's it? Like, if it's just dust, like, how do they know? Like, what if a strong breeze comes by? People are going to be looking for poor, poor Jack. Like, poor unfortunate or poor financially? Like, you know, I don't see him with any money, but he does have a gigantic house. So, I don't know. I mean, he's doing well, but uh but yeah, he so he goes on this this journey and and like you kind of said, it's almost like a it's a it's a tragic hero's journey in the sense that he has to learn a lot in order for him to realize that where he is at is where he needs to be. Yeah, like he's um he has found 
something he wants, but he's applying his own values to it, like, and perverting it because he doesn't understand it. Like, the presents that he gives is like, these are presents that I would like to have. But, like, normal people don't want severed heads or snakes or wreaths that come alive and strangle them. Like, because that's not what Christmas is about. So he is doing his best. It's almost like kids learning about sex on the playground. Like... No, you know what it is? It's kids learning about sex by watching porn. It's worse than that. Because at least you'd get, like, some sort of, like, okay, these are the general ideas of what I, I should be doing. So they deliver pizzas with holes cut in them and, like, oh, I'm here to fix your pipes and, you know, stuff like that. But with Jack, it's like, oh, yeah, they give presents. Well, what kind of presents? Like, you're not taking into account your audience. Yeah, so in spite of all of his fame and talent, he yearns for another side of life. While a desire for completeness is not a flaw, his impulsiveness proves to be. He tends to be enthusiastic and inclusive, and his charisma is enough to sway every member of Halloween Town except Sally, like we said. His selfish decisions lead to the near destruction of Christmas and himself, the strength of Jack's character is demonstrated by his will to correct his own mistakes. So that's the thing, you know, he's uh, kind of like blinded by this newness of, of everything. And, you know, we're going to we're let gonna, me save you from this problem Christmas. I have created. Well, exactly. We're going to make Christmas. We're going to do it our way. It's going to be great. But, you know, by doing Christmas their way, they're really doing Halloween again. And it right. doesn't fit the formula, you know, even though he was trying to crack the code, it doesn't fit the formula of Christmas. And, you know, he realizes, you know, as he's in the process of of passing out these these monstrous gifts to these children, you know, he thinks he's doing great. Ho, 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 you know, uh, I They're am Santa. celebrating. Here is a shrunken head. You know, kids don't. I mean, I I personally would like a shrunken head, but that's just me. I know several people who would also like a shrunken head, but that's just the company I keep. Not everyone wants a shrunken head drunken head um you know he he slowly realizes that oh i have made a terrible mistake and then you know uh he only it, realizes it, that after he gets shot out of the fucking sky by the military i mean sometimes it takes that for you to realize that you've done something wrong i mean it shouldn't but sometimes it does it shouldn't take getting <laughs> shot down and almost killed but in the end, he's able to, to right his wrongdoings. He's, he realizes that, you know what? I am perfect just the way I am. There is, there is a happiness to what I do. You know, I have a... I, 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 my, my purpose is here in Halloween Town. These people love me here. Uh, it's, it's, it's my joy to bring fear... And it's my joy to, you know, because here's the thing, you know, you can't have happiness without sadness. You can't have joy without fear. You can't have one without the other. You know, you can't have something without the, the innate opposite of it. So, you know, you need to have Halloween. You need to be, the, the people need to be scared 
People need to be light cannot fearful. exist without darkness. Exactly, exactly. You know, and and he realizes that you know there's a there's a purpose for Halloween, and he it almost like it rekindles his joy for what he's been doing for so many years. Yeah. By completely destroying a different holiday and almost killing, uh, let's see, both Sandy Claus and Sally were captured by Oogie Boogie and almost completely demolished. Um, he saves them both. And in that, he realizes that he's he's where he's supposed to be. This is his place. He is the Pumpkin King. Uh, you know, and again, like it's a relatable story because how often do you kind of search for something else only to realize that your true happiness is where you're currently at? Right. Like, you know, you're you're not saying don't don't reach for the stars. Don't, you know, don't try to better yourself. Don't. Uh, try different things, but you know sometimes you're you're already fulfilling your purpose without realizing that you are. Right. When you've you know inspired all these people and you've gotten to the point where people want to follow you and look to you for. Um, you know, he he is a leader. He's a great yeah. leader in Halloween Town. Right. His and leadership skills he... does not translate right. or transfer over to, you know, Christmas Town. It's like, oh, I manage this Best Buy really well. I could definitely coach a soccer team. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, not knowing a thing about soccer. Right. Yes. Knowing everything about electronics, sure. Right. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, this is, you know, I can just apply these same skills. It's like, no, you can't because it's totally different. It's totally different. It's like trying to replace the soccer team with robots. Or cats. Or It just doesn't work. Right. Uh, but in the end, you know, it is a it is a rather happy ending. You know, he finds his happiness. He realizes that, um, you know, while he was feeling so lonely that uh, there is this whole village behind him that loves him and adores him. And most importantly, Sally. That's unearned. That's totally unearned. And I do have, I, I have some, I do have some issues with this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, you know. We're meant to be. How? Based on she, what? Right, well, exactly. Exactly. Based on what? Like, there's no chemistry there at all. Uh, she was looking out for his best interest. He was just Ignored a her. Prick. Yeah, and just was like, oh, yeah, I deserve this. This is how I'm supposed to be treated. This and is then, how everyone the, treats exactly. me. Exactly. And then in the end, he's like, oh, I guess we're meant to be. It's like, wait, where did this come from? What do you mean we're meant to be? Like, why are we meant to be? Because you sang a song about it, like all of a sudden you also said that you were making Christmas. How'd that turn out? So I don't know. I think Jack is a jerk, and uh, he doesn't deserve a happiness. So I don't know. Let's see him. Let's see the prequel or the sequel where he takes over, like Thanksgiving. I don't know, or Valentine's Day where people are drinking the blood of the innocent and eating elk hearts, or however people celebrate. Valentine's Day. I will say, though, uh, kind of lending itself to pop culture, it's kind of crazy how this film has blown up over the past, oh, God, almost two decades. Three decades. I mean, three. 93. 
It's almost 30 years old. I I can't. I can't math good. I am hitting so many nails on the heads, okay? Mm -hmm. Uh, That's what I'm doing right now. Yeah, almost three decades. That's, that's, I'm having a moment here. Uh, That's crazy. But it has really ingrained itself into pop culture there. You, You cannot walk into a hot topic without seeing 80 different pieces of Nightmare Before Christmas paraphernalia. Right. It's, you know, it's like, oh, he's the Jack to my Sally is right next to he's the Joker to my Harley. I mean, the, the, the Joker Harley thing. Neither one of those little, relationships are something the, to aspire. Yeah, but I mean, the Joker Harley thing is a little bit more toxic than the uh, Jack and Sally thing. Um, and apparently, so in the original soundtrack, there is a like an end piece that obviously did not make its way into the film but uh yeah in the official film soundtrack cd it contains an epilogue not in the film stating that quote many years later santa returned to halloween town to visit jack where he discovered that jack had four or five skeleton children skeleton well skeleton well skeleton's fine uh children at hand who played together in a xylophone band how does he procreate without a penis Furthermore, without any blood or a heart or a circulatory system to pump blood to said missing penis. And Sally is full of leaves. So I'm just curious. And we will see you next Thursday. (laughs) So I think on that, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we will uh, give you some battle results from last week and uh, wrap things up. So we'll be right back. At Strong-Willed Sports Memorabilia and more, our mission is to raise as much money and awareness for pediatric cancer research as possible through the giving away of authenticated, autographed sports memorabilia and more. All proceeds from our games will be donated to various pediatric cancer foundations, with a majority going to the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute and the Jimmy Fund. Our mission to give back began when Craig and Kara's son William was diagnosed with a stage 4 Wilms tumor, and his courage to fight and overcome his cancer ultimately led to the start of the hashtag Strong-Willed Movement. For more information on how to donate and support this great cause, please visit the hashtag Strongwilled Sports Memorabilia and More Facebook group. Nice work, Bone Daddy. Yeah, I guess so. Just like last year, and the year before that, and the year before that. Without ever even trying 
who with the slightest little effort of my ghost-like charms I have seen grown men give out a shriek. With the wave of my hand in a well-placed mode, I have swept the very bravest off their feet. Yet year after year, it's the same routine, and I grow so weary of the sound of screams, and I, Jack, the Pumpkin King, have grown so tired of the same old thing. Oh, somewhere deep inside of these bones, an emptiness began to grow. There's something out there far from my home, a longing that I've of light and I'll scare you right out of your pants. To a guy in Kentucky, I'm Mr. Unlucky and I'm known throughout England and France. And since I am dead, I can take off my head to recite Shakespearean quotations. No animal, no man can scream like I can with the fury of my recitations. But who here would ever understand that the pumpkin king with the skeleton grin would tire of his crown if they only understood he'd give it all up if he only Oh, there's an empty place in my bones that calls out for something unknown. The fame and praise come year after year does nothing for these empty And we are back. That, of course, being Jack's Lament, where he complains about, I have everything, but I want more. Well, so they compare that, you know, being a Disney film, uh, they compare it to, like, the Prince Disney princess I want song. So, Belle? Typically... I don't contribute every, anything, but I well, want I mean, more. Like, so, typically, every single Disney princess has this song that kind of gives you a little bit of backstory as to where they're currently at in their life and where they wish to be. The The I Want song is what it's called. Yeah. It's, it's the, you know... I well, Belle the, from Beauty and the Beast well, is a perfect example. The Little Mermaid. Oh yeah. I want more. Like that's literally lyrics in the song. I want to be where the people are. Yeah. You know. Um, part of that world. That's what yes, I mean. yeah. yes. Part of your world. Whatever. Part of the world. Uh, <laughs> a place in the world to do things. Uh, but anyway, so they they uh, there are similarities between Jack's Lament and those types of songs where it kind of uh, gives you a little bit of exposition as to who Jack really is 
outside of how he's known and what he's longing for. Yeah. You know, but in most cases, it's, you know, it's somebody like, I have everything I could possibly want in my little world, but it's not enough for me. So I forget what year it was, but uh, they re-released, re released, but they released an album called Nightmare Revisited, where a bunch of artists did, um, they recorded a lot of these songs. And I have a question for you. Yep. What is your favorite song, either from the original film or from that album? Sally's song done by Fiona Apple. That's not on Nightmare Revisited. Yeah, it is. Amy Lee's version is done on Nightmare on Revisited. On the deluxe version, the two-disc version, because they expanded upon it, the deluxe version, because it's Nightmare Revisited, like, I forget if they call it, like, Volume 2 or, like, Deluxe, but, like, they did, because there's the Amy Lee version, which I really like, but the Fiona Apple version is really that, like, funeral it's dirge very, of a fucking song. So, Fiona Apple is very melancholy and solemn to begin with. She has that uh, deep that that trait to her voice that you know even when she's trying to do joyful vocals, uh, it, it really comes across as just. Uh, I had a crush on her when I was a kid. So who didn't? I'm just like, saying. Join the club. I'm just saying. Uh, but but anyways, yeah, I think um, Kidnap the Sandy Claws. By Corn. Well, I mean, Corn does a really good version of it. I, I do enjoy that, yeah. but but the, the version from the film. Rise Against's version of uh, Making Christmas is pretty good. Um, I like that. Flyleaf did What's This. So did uh, Fall Out Boy. Oh, did they? Fall Out Boy did that as well. Uh, on Again, on the expanded version. Um. Yeah, Flyleaf. The All American Rejects. Jack's Lament. Yes. Uh, and the Plain White Tees did Poor Jack. Unless I'm swapping those two. No, I think I think that's right. Um, they did a pretty good job with that. Um, she wants revenge. Their version of oh, Kidnap the Sandy Claus yes. is pretty fucking good. Yes. Uh, it's like this techno like. Daft Punk esque band, um, uh, which is pretty good. And I will. Uh, Marilyn Manson's version of This is Halloween is fantastic. But even he's though a piece he's, of shit. He's a piece of garbage. But, you know, uh, it doesn't take away. Well, we do not support him anymore. No, no. But. His artistry, what he what he did before we knew he was a piece of shit is is pretty fucking good. Yeah, uh, and and his this is not this is Christmas, but his his um, making Halloween. This is Halloween. This is Halloween. This making is Halloween. Halloween. He uh, performed it on one of those like Tonight Show uh, things. But he I will performed say it live, and it was pretty fantastic. The live version of. Uh, Catherine O'Hara doing Sally song, pretty fucking awesome. Well, I mean, it's not on the she album. She also, I mean, she voices Shock. Yes. Yeah. So you know, kidnap the Sandy Claus, like that's her. Yeah, I know. And Danny Elfman and uh, Paul Rubens. 
I mean, if we're going actual movie, Oogie Boogie song. Oogie Boogie song is fucking awesome. But if we're doing Nightmare Revisited, then I, it's it's Fiona Apple's version of uh, Sally's song. Mm. So, um, so we have uh, we have battle results for you. We do. So last week we threw down Assimilation Aspiration, which cre- which creature has the power to assimilate the other before it itself is assimilated. All powers and abilities applicable. The sandbox was the Fort Worth TGI Fridays. Why? <laughs> Why not? Why not? Okay. <laughs> so you could choose from the Venom symbiote or the Thing. And both Facebook and the Twitters are in agreement that the Venom symbiote would be the first to assimilate the Thing. We did get some interesting... Um some interesting rationale behind some of this because, you know, people saying that the thing would infiltrate the Clintar on a cellular level, but unlike the thing, because the thing, each cell is out for its own, <coughs> I was going to say personal, but own individual survival as we see uh, in the film. But, the Clintar are essentially a hive mind, um, with the exception of a few of the rogue symbiotes that are either born on Earth or, you know, corrupted by insanity from their hosts. Um, that's what uh, that's what makes them a little bit different. But you know, they are a hive mind, so there's really no escaping it. Um, either way, it's it's an, I thought it was an interesting. My question is, how would you know who won? Uh, you would have to get assimilated by one of them. And uh, as we see at the end but of... what if, what if the thing assimilated the Venom well, symbiote? Well, I was about to tell you. I was about to tell you. So, as we see at the end of the... Uh, the, the Venom movie, the second one, uh, Let There Be Carnage, Venom is about to share some of that historical knowledge passed down through the hive mind, uh, very similar to the scene in Slither, James Gunn's Slither. Um, the thing simply would not have access to that because it's replacing it, but it's not going to take the memories of the uh, of the host. That's how you would tell. That's my, that's my, uh, without there being a, a definitive, you know, in canon explanation, that would be, that would be my, uh, my explanation. So, so what do we have coming up? I know you, uh, teased it a little bit earlier. So next week we are entering the Matrix and talking about Neo, the one. Yes. Whoa. Thomas A. Anderson. He helps his landlady take out her garbage. Um, yeah, that means nothing to me. This is a first time watch for me. I've seen bits and pieces of the first Matrix. Uh, I've seen enough to know that Carrie Ann Moss is fucking hot. And uh, yeah, I'm 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 really interested in delving into this this character and into this franchise, especially in anticipation of the fourth Matrix film coming uh, to theaters. I believe weeks. what the twenty second. Twenty second, I think. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, and I definitely want to see that because it looks fucking awesome. 
Um, you know, other characters we have coming up. I was told that I need to watch Cobra Kai. So that is also happening. So in anticipation of the upcoming season that's dropping. December 31st, soon. season four. Yeah, so um, that episode will happen the week after our live year-end special where we talk about our top characters from the past year. Yeah, and I was just going through some of the uh, movies that came out this year that I watched. 37, 37 films just from 2021 that I saw that I could pick characters from. Oh, I mean, speaking of uh, watching things, hey, Patsy. Yeah. What you watching? Uh, I have been watching... Um, well, rewatching Lost in Space because the third season of Lost in Space just came out. And those are other characters we are going to be discussing coming Space up. Space Family Robinson because you hadn't seen it and I was like, oh, you should check this out. And we started watching a few of the episodes. You're kind of getting into it. I really enjoy Parker Posey. I want to know where that goes. Posey. Parker Posey. She is a big old jerk bag. And, uh, I kind of love it, though. The characters are pretty good. Um you know the robot is interesting. Um, There's a, so we're we are only three episodes into the first season, so I still have a lot of questions. And I, I've um, I've watched the first two seasons, and I still have questions. So it'll be it should be interesting. But look for an episode of that uh, probably coming January up soon. Yeah, yeah, because we have uh, next week will be Neo. The week after is our live show, and the week after that will be Cobra Kai. Because you've got four. Four Karate Kids and three seasons of Cobra Kai to watch. You better be supplying snacks. I, I will supply snacks. I like snacks. And wine. Oh, I like wine, too. We just bought six bottles of wine tonight. Now we have five left because we did the show. So, all right. Well, I think with that being said. I, are you not going to ask me what I am watching, Patsy? I was about Mr. to ask you. No, you weren't. Yes, you, were gonna, you were going to wrap up the show. No. Mr. I have been on a tangent for no, the entire episode. We've already said that twice. We're like, all right. And with that being said, you know, we've we've run that joke. I was going to be like, and that with that being said, what are you watching? Because I already know what the answer is, and I know what you're dying to talk about. <sighs> so, Ashes. Yes. We will see you next Thursday. No, what you watch? I swear to God. Uh, that you so, will see next Thursday. A, uh, a couple of things, first of all. Uh, I finally saw House of Gucci, and I loved it. It was campy. I don't know if it was intentionally supposed to be campy. I don't think Ridley Scott does camp. Uh, but it was campy, and it was fabulous, and I loved it. Uh, if I'm, I'm not going to say too, too much because it's still pretty new in theater. So, uh, but if you have seen it and you want to have conversations, definitely hit me up because, I mean, uh, Lady Gaga and Adam Driver, I'm here for it. So here for it. Uh, but most recently, um, I'm, I'm also all caught up with uh the current season, uh, the fourth season of the Belay Brothers, Dragula, and I'm currently listening to their podcast. So if you want to have conversations about that as well, this most recent episode, the cliffhanger, oh, girl, please, I am like dying for Tuesday to come so I can figure out what the fuck is going on. Uh, but but anyways, and, and I'm 
highly, highly anticipating the the tour, the U.S. tour. And now they announced their U.K. tour, so I'm I'm eagerly anticipating their uh, U.S. tour announcement. So, girl, if you want to talk about that, definitely hit me up. But most recently, uh, I watched the first two episodes that HBO Max dropped of, and just like that, the continuation of the Sex and the City series. Now, if you know, we've covered a couple of these characters. Sex and the City is my all-time favorite series. I revisit these ladies quite often. I have seen every single episode a bajillion times at this point. It is campy. It is fabulous. It is well-written. And the shoes, oh my goodness, I cannot get enough. Um, They dropped one hell of a bombshell episode one and obviously this is something that's going to follow into uh, you know, it, it, it's it's creating the story for this it's supposed to be a mini series but i have a feeling that they're going to um i have a feeling there's going to be a season two of this just because of of what it is and obviously it's so popular uh but it's it's so nice to feels like you're reconnecting with old friends because it's not a it's not a reboot it's uh it's a continuation of of this story and i'm i'm loving overall overall despite like i said the bombshell that had me ugly crying for hours after watching this to the point where my eyes were so dry and puffy and like it was just it, it's 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 crazy uh patsy actually came out and <laughs> gave me a hug and my sister texted me i'm sorry for your loss uh because you know it, it, it's crazy how it's it's just a character it's not real it's make-believe but when these characters have been a part of your life for so long it's almost like they're real so when something happens to these characters, when something completely devastating happens to drive the plot, you know, and, and, and in all honesty, it's, it's real life stuff. It's stuff that happens in real life. You know, I was just, I was just, I completely plossed. I didn't know what to, I just, I, and I, I, I wasn't expecting myself to have that kind of reaction to it. And I've spoken to a couple of people and they said the same thing, you know, they, 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 Figured it was going to happen. They knew it was going to be sad, but it hit them in a way that uh, that they weren't expecting. And I think that lends itself to great writing, great storytelling, and great character development. I agree, because even from like the couple of minutes that I saw from what you were watching... Um, you know, because I've seen a million of these episodes before, you know, I've watched a ton of them and you're like, oh, there's a ton of cameos. I'm like, oh, like Jim Gaffigan. Uh, that's a deep cut right there. That That is a deep cut. So like there are people that are like, Jim Gaffigan was never on Sex and the City and other people are like, who's Jim Gaffigan? Um, <laughs> but like knowing you know like you, you were just saying you know because we've had this we had this conversation lots and lots of times and we do a show about characters you know people tend to get 
heavily emotionally involved, especially with something that has uh, gone on for so, so very long. Um, like, had things worked out the way some executives wanted, I would have gone through a very difficult time back in the early 90s when Bart Simpson was killed off. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's dark. And a lot of people my age, you know, we we talked about this last night when you were watching it. A lot of people my age uh, went through a devastating revelation in 1986 when Optimus Prime was killed in the Transformers movie. I mean, granted, that was that was because the uh, toy company Hasbro was like, we just need more. We need some new toys like people are getting stale. They didn't understand the emotional attachment that people had to this character and the outrage and the backlash that they faced as a result of his death. Like, I think that was the first time aside from Old Yeller, which spoiler alert doesn't end well for Old Yeller. Um that was the first time you saw a character who, you know, generally, like, He-Man's not going to die. Rambo's not going to lose. Superman isn't going to lose in any of the movies, like, because they are who they are. The hero always wins. To see him die was fucking crazy. And I still think that Robot Chicken got it right, that when Prime died on that, he transformed into a coffin. And that's what should have happened in... The 1986 film. When Prime died, he should have transformed into a coffin. Um, but you have this emotional investment in your characters. And I think that's why Game of Thrones did so well for so long, where it's like, don't, it's like, who's your favorite? And it's like, well, my favorite, don't have a favorite. Just don't. But I mean, so, but there's a difference between, you know, Game of Thrones, this fantasy series all about, you know, trying to achieve this one thing, and Sex and the City, that is, you know, uh, A, takes place in real time. Uh, and it, it's it, and it's real. It's it's but about real mean, relationships. It's about real friendships, and you know. Um, this is a real world with real consequences. Is the point? Like I I know Sex in the City isn't, you know, generally a fantasy world. Well, I mean, like I, some of their their budgets are pretty fantastic. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's why I said for the most part. You know, I can't afford a Birkin, but Samantha can. Uh, but you know, the whole point is it's it's just it's real grounded in reality where things happen like the whole show is based around you know the intricacies of you know sex and the relationships that you have with sexual partners and like how you navigate that whole part of your life well, I mean, but there are that. real consequences like people get pregnant people fail to get pregnant but are trying you know well, i mean and it, it deals STDs. with it deals with real life things it deals with real life women issues it deals with uh friendships Wait, you mean trying Christmas to songs? Yes, you know, it, it deals with trying to, you know, maintain friendships and, you know, finding your sense of self and, and aging, you know, especially now because it, these these women, they're not in their 30s and 40s anymore. They're in their 50s, mid 50s to mm -hmm. late 50s. You know, if, if, if Samantha was here, she would be, you know, into their 
mid 60s almost. If you're going you know? by character ages, um, yeah. yes. If you're going by character ages, so you know, it was just it was real, and it was something that um, you know. And I think for me, it just kind of hit a little close to home because it reminded my it reminded me of situations that I've been in personal, you know, personally, and I've saw I, I've seen my mother go through this, mm-hmm. you know. So um, being a I don't want to give spoilers in case you haven't had a chance to watch it. And that's just that seeing actors who have passed in real life reprising their roles. Like, you know, seeing Stanford Blatch, Willie Garson, who passed earlier this year. You know, I was was teary-eyed from the get-go because of just how they reintroduced everyone and and how they were handling the the Samantha situation. And, you know, which and and I think they're doing a fantastic job because, you know, it's leaving the door open for if she wants to come back, which I really hope she does. It's always very difficult dealing with someone who has passed on in real life, but their character still... Is alive and well. But you, know, but you, you see Stanford Blatch come on the screen, and it's just like, oh, like my, my heart dropped for a moment because, you know, Stanford, while not a prominent character well, in the he's, series, he's, was a very important character. I would in call the him prominent. Like he was involved in a lot of the shit that Carrie got up to. You know, so it's just. This isn't uh, a Carrie episode, though. Like I know we're talking <laughs> about what you're watching, but we're turning this into a Sex in the City episode. Sorry, we already did Samantha I need Jones. To talk about we'll, this. We'll do. We'll do a Carrie Bradshaw episode once the final episode comes out. There's ten Fine. episodes. So in February we'll do a Carrie Bradshaw Pinky episode. Promise. Yes, there okay, we go. Okay, Pinky Promise. We'll Gotta kiss Carrie... it. Yeah, ah, we'll okay. do a Carrie Bradshaw episode. Okay. So we'll call it Nookie in New York. Because <laughs> um, that was a Show Simpsons about parody. Three hookers and their mom. <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> that was from Family Guy. So it's a show about three hookers and their mom. Uh, so yeah. So, anyways, with that being said, I'm gonna go cry in the corner, and we will see, see you, you next, next Thursday ish. <laughs>